0: Hey everybody hey everybody we have another all new show for you today and it's packed
1: it's a thick boy it's got a yeah. lot of crypto we're going to talk mm-hmm. about new layer one blockchain developments from mm-hmm. the team that almost brought you libra and dm at facebook now they've got a company called aptos valued at a billion dollars in a recent round led by a16z holy cow and obviously
0: this was uh founded by the former Meta and Facebook employees. So we'll talk a little bit about the history of that product and project and what it means that it got killed in terms of the bigger picture, because it's really the first time you can think of that Zuckerberg didn't knock off a product and put it in market. And what if he had? And why didn't he? There's Mm -hmm. something going
1: on here that uh, we need to uh, figure out. There is something going on here. And despite uh, crypto valuations tanking like Mm. crazy. They're still raising money. We'll talk about MetaMask's parent consensus raising $450 million at a $7 billion valuation.
0: And we have our startup of the day. My favorite segment, Mojo, a startup that's building a stock market-like product so you can bet on athletes.
1: Fascinating idea. I love gambling. I love the market. What a great, interesting idea in our startup of the day. And then a little something different, a postmortem for our shutdown of the day, Zero Mm. Grocery, a grocery delivery company that just announced raising $12 million a month ago, is now shutting down. We're going to dig into what might have happened. It is all going to be such a great show.
0: It's going to be a great show. And I do a quick chat at the end, a little mentoring session uh, with a super fan of the show, one of our Noti Gang members who wrote 10 sets of show notes uh, as part of his way of breaking into the industry. He met me, he met a bunch of other people in the industry, and now he's working in the industry. So I have a JJ, Noti Gang member, JJ on, to talk about his career. And I think if you're looking to build your career, this is going to be an amazing segment for you. It's going to be an amazing show.
1: Stick with us.
2: This Week in Startups is brought to you by OpenPhone. As a startup founder, a lot of mistakes are easy to roll back on. But using your personal cell phone number as your company number isn't one of them. OpenPhone makes it easy to get business phone numbers for you and your team, right on top of your existing devices. Visit openphone.co twist to get 20% off your first six months. Mercury, question, how many times have you wasted managing your company's money? Answer: Too much. Switch to Mercury at mercury.com. And gun.io, the simplest way for anyone to hire world-class developers expertly vetted for you by senior engineers. Get $250 off your first hire at gun.io slash twist.
1: It is another news day. We talked to so many people last week that we just piled up a whole bunch of stories that we cannot wait to talk about. And news keeps coming, including this very interesting story today about former meta, you know, Hmm. Facebook, Facebook employees that worked on Facebook's failed crypto project, which was alternately called DM and then Novi. These former employees have now raised $200 million at a billion dollar valuation to build out Aptos, a layer one blockchain, very closely resembling what they Mm. worked on at Facebook. Okay. Mm hmm. So that's Um,
0: interesting. It's not the because my understanding was Facebook was going to spin out what was Libra.
1: Yep. Slash DM DM or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Might be Aptos. Depends on uh, whether you live in the town. Some people call it Aptos. Some people call it Aptos. We're not sure which one it is in this case, but we're finding out. Um, The different protocol layers of blockchain, just so you can understand this layer one blockchain thing. Layer ones are the underlying architecture, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, basically the blockchains themselves, the distributed ledgers themselves that projects are built on. Layer two are projects built on top of layer one, which increased the functionality, like the Bitcoin Lightning Network, for example. Mm-hmm. And then layer three is basically like NFTs, right? Or blockchain based apps, games, DeFi, anything that is consumer facing. So it's kind of a big deal that what these people are saying is that they're going to build a core blockchain. To product, go after like Ethereum and Bitcoin. Bitcoin. competitor, yeah. yeah.
0: All right. So Molly, what happened to the original IP? That was Libra because this is actually, I think, one of the most interesting stories of antitrust that never has been told. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because there never was an antitrust action here, but they decided to not launch it, which is the most anti pirate Silicon Valley Mark Zuckerberg thing to do is to not launch a product for fear of regulation. Yet Mm -hmm. somebody pulled him aside and said, do not launch this, which I would think would be like waving a hundred red flags at like every bull in Spain, (laughs) like
1: seriously, but that that tells you how serious it is when you start coming for the U S dollar. Yeah. Like when you start coming for the world's reserve currency, I wrote this piece around the time that they were first talking about Mm DM and Libra, and we have the entire history to break down in a minute, but essentially I, the piece was like, look, even a failed Facebook product, mm. like I gave the example of Facebook stories, you know, they announced it on Instagram and it crushed, but they had stories on Facebook and that was considered like a dud. And a dud for Facebook is 300 million users. Mm.
0: Like, yeah, so, only 15% of the user base engage, created for it or something.
1: And so if 15% of the user base had engaged with Libra and started using Libra, yeah, and there are 325 be- million people in the United States, like overnight, You have a legitimate currency threat. And I guarantee that the people who pulled Mark Zuckerberg aside and told him to knock it off were the heaviest hitters on the planet, is my guess.
0: Like who? Like a senator, a congressman, a a lobbyist, a former president, uh, internal people, venture capitalists, Mark Andreessen.
1: Way worse. Central bankers. Mm. Gotcha. Like everybody thinks they know where the power is. The power is with the central bankers. Like I'm sure that like Mm. the Fed, Christine Lagarde, you know. Yes. All of these the big money hitters came to him, maybe even Peter Thiel, although probably not because he wants to see the world burn. He probably came to him and was like, definitely do the right. So So
0: here, here's what happened. On but January yeah, 31st happened. of this year, Facebook announced they were divesting and selling their assets of their crypto project a Silvergate Bank for 200 million. Now they worked on that project with hundreds, if not low thousands of people for a couple of years. So being able to sell it for 200 million probably gets them out even or something, I would guess. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a push. They probably sold it at the price, and maybe they have a little upside in it. You never know. But let's let's go. I, I would like to know the history of yeah what happened with that crypto project, and then I, you got to think about the IP. I mean, one of the nice things about Americans' mm-hmm. IP system is, you know, if you start over and you build something from scratch, um as long as you didn't bring the documents with you, you're good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's walk through this and see if we actually really think that this new team is all that different from the old team. Okay. Um, So Libra, as we know, was officially announced in June 2019, which I know feels like 150 years ago.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Like, wow, that happened 2019. It was supposed to be a stable coin. So Mm -hmm. backed by a basket of currencies. Calibra was supposed to be the associated crypto wallet on Facebook, which users could then use for, you know, all of the good things this promises, borderless payments on Messenger and WhatsApp. Facebook was like, we're barely involved. We're just setting it up, but we are, you know, not gonna be the holders of the the back end here. However, nobody believed that at all. Facebook had all this regulatory scrutiny, Visa, MasterCard, Stripe, and others actually pulled out because that attention got so intense. Cause remember when they announced it, they had like everybody on board. It was like a fait accompli. And they had over time. Every
0: major platform. Mm-hmm. I think, like, even like Airbnb, Uber, everybody had put in like $10 million, $5 million to join the Libra mm-hmm. stablecoin, whatever. And then I guess they would get some, you know, access to that. And the idea was an Uber or a Lyft could support this stablecoin currency. And then banking fees and everything would be free. So yeah. when you're paying people or moving money around, it would be free. But Let's pause for a second here and realize in June of 2019, I remember I was in Australia for launch festival. This is before the pandemic started. And I remember because I owned at Libra, the Twitter handle, they were trying to buy it from me. And I was like, sure, give me a $100,000 consulting arrangement. I can't sell it to you. And I'll consult with you how to use the at Libra account. (laughs) Um, And like, literally, they were like, okay, we'll send it to you. But you need to talk to us on the phone. I was like, no, (laughs) I'm not talking to people on the phone. Uh, But I mean, they were, they understood that stable coins would be super important, not in June of 2019. They must have been talking about this for two years before that. So in 2017 or 2018, somebody there was like, we need to just do a stable coin. Yeah. This was long before Tether hit mass scale and before USDC even existed. So yeah. they, I mean, do that ca- really counterfactual yeah. when, uh, like, what would happen if they had launched this and they had right. 70
1: billion or hundred billion or 200 billion in stable coins out there? Oh my Lord. I mean, it would have been earth shattering. It actually really would have been profoundly transformative to the financial system, which is exactly why I assume the big guns came in. So all of this scrutiny and the scrutiny was sort of like there. But again, it didn't feel any stronger than anything else that was happening in terms of scrutiny. So it does make you wonder what was happening behind the scenes, because all of a sudden these big partners started dropping out in May 2020. They pulled the the ultimate uh, parachute move a rebrand you know how <laughs> i feel about that <laughs> jeez you know you're in trouble and there's a rebrand cal libra became novi and then in december 2020 libra rebranded to dm yeah it's
0: like don't look at this project you've never heard of this project before this is not the project you're scared there of there never it's like, was
1: any libra yeah there was we only not, dm
0: yeah it, we we're starting fresh yeah that you hated work. Facebook, but you're going to love Meta.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're not So dumb. then on January 31st of this year, which mm-hmm. you may have, I will forgive you if you missed because some things have been going on. Facebook announced uh, that it was divesting completely and selling the assets of this crypto project to Silvergate Bank for okay. $200 million. And now, fast forward to right this second, when most of the team that originally worked on that has mm-hmm. left, we don't know the current status. Of those assets, but we do know that this new company Aptos just raised two hundred million dollars at this billion-dollar valuation, led by A16Z with participation from Tiger Global and Multicoin Capital, mm-hmm. and they're essentially saying, "We wanted to build that thing there, and now we're going to build it here, straight up." Wow, build it! Um, what do yeah,
0: you think? I mean, a lot of this stuff is built on open source software, uh, or you know, previous projects. You can fork a previous open source project. That's why there's all these forks of, I think there's a lot of forks of Ethereum, forks of Bitcoin, obviously. And so, you know, to f- and that's why you had so many of these, what they call ish coins. You, know, you can add the S if you want. Um, all of these coins uh, were created because it's so easy to fork. Um, so they're probably just taking some base of open source software and moving on with it. And I don't think Facebook wants to chase down former employees and sue them for a space they're not participating in. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be surprised if Facebook owns some shares in it. Well, um, exactly. Yeah, I don't and, think or Zuckerberg that invested in it and just did it on the slide. So a lot of times when somebody's leaving your company, what a savvy person will do—I've done it a couple times myself—is say, "Okay, I understand you're leaving to do a startup. Can I give you the first hundred k? Can I give you two fifty on the way out the door?" So if you are thinking of leaving your company, you know, if you leave on good terms, you hire your replacement, which is what I always consider like the chef's kiss of like um, leaving a company is Mm -hmm. to just tell your boss, Hey, listen, I want to start a company. Um, I'm totally willing to stay if it takes, you know, three weeks, or takes 10 weeks, I'll find my replacement, I'll train my replacement, and I'm available to you for 10 hours a month, you know, for the next year, if you need me, you know, at whatever my hourly rate is to, uh, to consult and make sure you have uh, just the smoothest transition ever. And here's my new plan, I'd love for you to be my first investor, like just take that script. If you're like a senior executive, like you say that to your boss, they're like, okay. Um, But the CEO of this new company told TechCrunch to be clear, we have no formal relationship with Facebook and no investment from them. Mm -hmm. Them being Facebook. Them being Facebook. Let Mm -hmm. me tell you how you get around this. Mark Andreessen? Uh, Well, he's on the board of Facebook.
1: And I wonder if he's an investor in this. Yeah. Now,
0: I wonder if Mark Andreessen. If he has any high net worth individuals in his funds uh, or their nonprofits, you know, their endowments. And I wonder if they would disclose if had, they had a major LP. So, yeah. Y- yeah I, I mean, basically what I'm saying is wonder. Zuckerberg is certainly an LP in, or I would, would not be shocked. I shouldn't say certainly. I would not be shocked right. if he was an LP <laughs> in Andreessen Horowitz's funds. I mean, how? I could, find it
1: so hard to imagine that this thing is spinning out that the yeah. the CEO of Aptos is explicitly saying this is a quote we are the original creators researchers designers and builders of DM mm-hmm. the blockchain that was first built to serve this purpose while the world never got to see what we built our work is far from over yeah, like okay. it does sort of beggar belief that that Facebook and its um, its executives are in no way involved in this and the real question is will the same you mm-hmm. know heavies the same like big wheels who put the stop to this back then believe hmm. that there is no connection back to facebook from this new company
0: yeah i mean i there's probably no explicit one where they have no control so a non-controlling investment would yep. you know if they if they wound up owning if you know interesting owned 10 percent and zuckerberg was one percent of his fund he would own 10 basis points so you know you can you can kind of back into exactly what the exposure would be and it's probably de minimis Listen, lots of founders are loosey-goosey with their personal numbers, we all know that. They put it on company documents, they use it for sales calls and more, and that's where things get super messy. You, You don't know who's calling you, right? Is it a sales prospect? Is it a coworker? Or is it somebody from your kid's school? Is it spam? Well, Open Phone helps you create business phone numbers for you and your team. And it works through an app on your smartphone very elegantly or on your desktop. You just pick a number, you install the app, and you're done. There is no need to carry two phones like I do. And there's so many features you're going to love, including, you know how we all create catch-all emails like support at ourcompanyname.com? Well, you can do something similar for a phone number. You can have a shared phone number with multiple employees fielding those incoming texts and the calls what a brilliant idea see what open phone can do for you it's already affordable at a starting price of just ten dollars a month per user so affordable and twist listeners can get an extra 20% off any plan for your first six months by signing up at openphone.co twist. And if you have existing numbers from another service no problem easy peasy lemon squeezy open phone can port them over for free just head over to o p e n p h o n e dot co slash twist today Openphone.co slash twist today and this because this is not going to be backed by the distribution channel of facebook whatsapp
1: and instagram well, that, i think is the question though is is what if facebook immediately turns around meta and becomes this thing's biggest customer like, oh, it's, um, so, it's so weird. I was just built on these protocols and it perfectly integrates into Facebook and WhatsApp and, you know, I mean, the power move saying, for Facebook we'll see,
0: would be to just create a crypto wallet uh, and let people who are on Facebook plus plus, um, you know, pay 10 bucks a month to have a crypto wallet over there and then let the wallet let you use any coins in the wallet to do the marketplace. I understand the Facebook marketplace does particularly well. I don't know mm-hmm. if they break that out in the revenue. I would be very interested to see. What percentage of revenue going, you know, their take rate for that is, or traffic is Marketplace? Have you ever used Marketplace?
1: You know what? It's or, really good.
0: I've never used any of this stuff, but I hear it's It's incredible. the
1: only reason I still have Facebook on my phone for it because I never oh. ever go to Facebook, but Facebook right. Marketplace is amazing. Like, because I just moved, you know, whatever a year and a half ago and I bought all this good, I'm trying to not buy new things.
0: Yes. yes but they I mean, have a
1: lot of new things too. They have a lot of sort of like Wayfair type stuff. I assume mm. it's a little bit fell off the back of a truck, but. uh God. it's facebook marketplace has good stuff on it
0: yeah i've heard it's pretty amazing uh, yeah i'm a big so, fan so uh, you know with all these projects i think what's going to happen is um the government is going to highly regulate stable coins mm-hmm. i think they may cap the size of them and the scale of them the number of participants in them i know that sounds crazy um but you could create some ground rules where there was some taxation on them so if you want to run your own currency Uh, You need to pay the government 5% on all transactions or 2% on all transactions, something to keep them from overtaking the actual US dollar uh, is going to have to be done, or they could just be banned outright. Um, And that would be the legal case of the century. And I think that's where we'll wind up is, we're going to have some Supreme Court case, I'm going to predict it now, you know, in 10 years, somebody is going to say, you know what, I'm going to take on man And I'm going to take it all the way to the Supreme Court that I can create my own currency in the world. And that'll be an interesting moment. And I think, I don't know the answer to what's better for humanity, if the government controls currency, and can do the funky stuff it does, like mm-hmm. save the economy, you know, uh, by printing more money during a pandemic, or if it would be better if this thing was distributed and nobody controlled it, and you were, you know, uh, in control of your money. Or nobody was in control of your money or there were 20 different projects where you could splash your cash around and have all these dark pools of capital i don't know what do you think molly is is do you think net net humanity would be better off if governments had less control of finance or over money over money I mean,
1: this is sort of partly what we were talking about with molly white right when she was saying Mm -hmm. you know that you 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 almost can't underestimate the radicalism in embedded in the idea of of money that has no centralized control whatsoever that means there's no tax collection. There's no, you know, government-sponsored healthcare. There's no visibility into how cities are doing, or states are doing, or businesses are doing, or individuals are doing. You know, do governments overreach? Unquestionably, but I, I think there's probably a reason that our society has evolved in this way. Like, if you want a city to work, for example, you have to have a mechanism for t- taxation. And in a completely decentralized currency, just as one example, a completely decentralized currency world that just like could never happen.
0: We did have, I mean, in fairness, right? We did have the underground gray economy, off the books economy, where I remember my dad's restaurant in Brooklyn. There were certain employees who yeah, got paid off still the do. books. Yeah. And I think that still happens where p- there's a cash economy, but the cash economy is occurring. Uh, I, I wonder if the, If the What do they call it? The gray market or the underground economy? I wonder what the size of the underground employment economy is today. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the the untaxed economy compared to where it was in the 80s, 90s, you know, over the last five decades, because a lot of the people I meet who uh, are service providers and who maybe would have been part of that are now using things like Venmo, PayPal to receive payments. And I know that Mm -hmm. those report. Venmo
1: recently started yeah yeah so
0: if that is the case then people are opting in to being tracked Mm -hmm. for the convenience so the convenience of being able to if you were a gardener let's say uh or a dishwasher the convenience of getting or a babysitter getting paid by venmo is greater than uh having to report your income
1: yeah i mean Hmm. i don't think there will ever not be an underground currency economy, right? And there, and there's every possibility that cryptocurrency will continue to exist as a mechanism to send money more anonymously if we end up in a cashless society. Mm. Like it, without the ability to anonymously exchange cash, something will crop up in its place because there're always going to be need to be people who like do crimes, right? William Gibson calls the $100 bill the international currency of bad mm. because it's like the most popular bill hmm. used by all kinds of criminals and warlords and drug dealers and whatever. Like yeah. there will always be a version of the international currency of bad. They, shit, but I don't think centralized currency ever goes away. I mean, that's the foundation of countries. If you they have were borders, talking about you making a
0: yeah. currency, they, they were, they were talking about making a thousand dollar bill for a while. And then they specifically didn't do it because of like money laundering and, and yeah, they right. under, I mean, I, for many years did not want any of my transactions recorded c- and I just went all cash for like a decade when I lived in LA because I was playing in a lot of poker games that settled in cash um I stopped playing in them because you know I was in casinos and other places and I was like uh, I don't want to carry this much cash with me and like you know I'd win a game I'd have twenty thousand dollars in cash coming out of the commerce casino I'd have to have two security guards with guns walk me to my car kind of situation uh because people would get knocked off uh leaving a casino or something and yeah. that's when I just stopped carrying that but I would pay for everything in cash and it was very interesting to think. I don't know if you ever had this thought where I was like, I want to have a record of all my transactions like to look back on someday. Like when I was in Italy, where did I go and look at my Apple Watch and see that mm. I bought you know, this place in Italy. I bought this ice cream. So I actually do that now. I'll go back and look at some transactions when I was somewhere. Look at my Instagram when I was in Tokyo to remember this coffee shop we went to that has like the handmade you know, coffee where the guy whisks your whipped cream for your mocha,
1: you know, to order. It was incredible. Yeah. Um,
0: and that would
1: be- such a cool feature that would be such a good argument for something like a digital currency like you think about the layers that you could build on top of that i mean certainly that's possible with any transaction now but it would be so cool to have like a neobank that also gave you like neat visualizations and hooked into your i mean this could exist right now actually if you just used it like if you had a neobank with a debit card Mm -hmm. and use that debit card for everything and then it could hook into your like photo album Right. And give you it's like exactly a cool like the Google Photos a year history. ago, you were
0: in Sydney, or two years ago, you were in Sydney, so
1: fun.
0: your credit card should be like your Apple card should be like, by the way, the last time you were in Sydney, here are the places you went. Yeah, and give you a list. It should give it to you the week before, you know, and, like you a picture of that. the
1: food, you know,
0: like, yeah, absolutely yeah. Co- correlated. There, there was that would be a s- so fun. Turn yeah, your spending s- into
1: content.
0: Exactly. There was a company called Blippi that we were investors in that then became top hatter. And if somebody pulls up a story about Blippi, uh, Phil Kaplan from F Company and DistroKid had made this, he had co-founded Blippy with a couple of people. And the idea was you sync your credit cards to Blippy, and then every transaction you make on whatever card would be um, shared with the community. And then you could see in your community, right. hey, look at all these people are going to this new blue bottle place. All these people are going to this new salt and straw, you know, place. And then you could comment on other people's transactions. It was pretty cool.
1: Isn't uh, that what... Um- i mean venmo venmo does that, too, right? that or had that i don't yeah. use venmo but
0: it, does venmo automatically share every transaction or are you opt well, into sharing it with your network i think
1: it originally was by default I, uh-huh. it might still be i turned it off a long time ago it's, it's no only longer to the default that is good
0: yeah what i heard from it's a lot good. of people was people were like paying their weed dealers on venmo oh yeah and then people are like
1: yeah that's my weed dealer too <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like uh,
1: it's not quite legal in your city and they yet. They came up with all these emoji. They would still share it, but they would come up with these emoji that That's like plant weed. Yeah.
0: Oh, so they put like a tree and then a puff of smoke. Yeah, pretty much a burning M- trees. Very good. Uh, so anyway, good luck to these folks. Uh, do remember, any company worth a billion dollars before their product is launched uh, is under the auspices of Jason's rule,
3: mm-hmm. which
0: is it could be a fraud and or a failure. It doesn't mean it's destined to be. But you are certainly putting yourself in the Veranos, Quibby, Magic Leap, Bucket, Nicola. Who mm-hmm. else is in this bucket? We've we, we found a Rivian. large number of companies. Rivian. If you're What's a company, that one
1: that you were really talking about, that I can't remember now.
0: Anybody? Anyway, anyway there's no yeah. reason for any startup to be worth a billion dollars before it launches its product. If it is, yeah. oh the um, the Alto Health was it Alto Health the one we were talking about the other day that Bezos Alto's mm-hmm. Health raised like three billion dollars. So healthcare might be an exception to Jason's rule, but anyway, Mm. I put a big red flag next to this startup uh, because yeah, that's a huge valuation and with no product, you know, if they're going to be worth a billion dollars, 50 times top line revenue for the hottest valuation you could get in today's market 25 times. I mean, it puts it at 20 to $50 million in revenue to just to fill into this valuation and, you know, to get an idea of like how much that is like. Are you making a hundred thousand dollars a day every day? Eh. You know that's, that's a lot of money. Uh, presumably, you have
1: regulatory headwinds. You maybe don't own the IP that you used to have before. Like, are they literally starting over? Like you said, a lot They're of people are starting open over. Yeah, there's no
0: reason not to start over. One of the greatest things you can do in a project is to throw away the old one and just start from scratch. Yeah. Oh, is it this is interesting. More time. Uh, head jobs uh, in our Nodi gang points out Clinkle and Color. These were the original overfunded startups. So color was a serial entrepreneur who had sold a company to Apple. And they famously had raised like $40 million. And it like broke the internet uh, and broke the startup system. And I think Sequoia actually had backed them uh, it was a serial founder, and he wanted to raise a series A. And then I think they were like, well, why don't we give you the series A of 5 million and the series B of, you know, 20 million at the same time. And uh, they just raised a ton of money because they were going after Instagram and like, social networking which was a big thing so they just put a big bet in so you know that wasn't crazy because it wasn't a billion dollar valuation but that was the start of the overfunding parade if you search for clinkle they gave a ton of money to a group of kids who just couldn't execute and they gave a ton of money to color which was a color.com uh which was going to be a social network and that was a serial entrepreneur who was overfunded oh here's the blippy site from 2011 um and we can show that here. Let's pull that up. This is worth taking a look at. There's Klinkle. Oh, thank you. Uh, my uh, producer is doing a great job today of being in the zone with us. And I know. here is Blippy. Zoom in our on our brains.
1: That. Yeah, if you zoom in on that, you
0: So what does it say there?
1: Oh, cool.
0: $198 credit right. card purchase. Right. And you can see how a social network, this is very web 2, you know, yeah. and it's uh, execution here. This, is, you know, not an app, it's just a website, but you can see people talking about, you know, what they're spending money on. And if you're spending money on something, that means it's important. Uh, So there you go. How much time have you wasted managing your company's money? I'm guessing way too much. Well, Mercury lets you manage your money the same way you manage your startup, which is really well. So with Mercury, startups can get FDIC, insured bank accounts. And here's why customers love it so much. The UX is beautiful and easy to use, and your onboarding is super fast. You get started in just a few business days, not weeks. And you can issue physical and virtual debit cards in just a few clicks and you can exchange currency right from your Mercury dashboard. So sending domestic and international wires is so easy. Joshe Ordonez is a Launch Portfolio founder and a Mercury customer. She's the CEO of AirPals, a corea service marketplace. And Mercury save AirPals employees 10 hours per month on average with their expenses because of the really elegant software and sorting features. This made managing expenses fast and easy for Jose's teammates so they can get back to work on the important stuff like their product and their customers. So here's a call to action. On top of making it easier to manage your money, Mercury also helps startups get more of it. Now Mercury offers venture debt, which provides founder friendly loans right in your Mercury bank account. So head to mercury.com to get started in minutes. All banking services provided by Evolve Bank and Trust.
1: I'm sorry, breaking news (laughs) has distracted me. (laughs)
0: The Naughty Gang, for those people who are listening to the pod, we do this live every day at 10am, and it's youtube.com slash this weekend. And during the live podcast, you know, 100 to 300 people concurrently hang out with us. They're called the Naughty Gang because they turn notifications on. So when you go to youtube.com slash this weekend, you can subscribe to the channel. Thank you for doing so. We're almost at 200,000, but you can hit the bell next to it, which means you get a little alert and every day when we go online or when we post the episode, you get an alert and then you can talk to us. So when we're... Molly and mm-hmm. I are doing the news. Mm-hmm.
1: These nodies are the so smart. Are coming up with incredible news stories. And then stories. they make us laugh. So yeah.
0: there's like a combination of like stand-up comedy, trolling, legit uh, community, legit community and then legit associate producing. And, and then
1: our actual producers. Yeah. Monitoring Twitter just to make sure that nothing happens such as Bain Capital crypto. Oh, we got a lot-
0: Wait, this is a breaking news story. <laughs> <laughs> Bain capital crypto
1: is no longer a dude shop no longer a robust big news everyone Bain capital crypto now has a lady lady lady
0: we have a token lady lady lady
1: who god i hope is not is a brilliant i am just going to assume is brilliant and capable and unbelievably deserving of this incredibly fast turnaround hire yes Bain Capital, of course, Bain Capital Crypto, of course, is the fund that we uh, dunked on from our glass house the week that we ran all men on the week of International Women's Day here on this podcast.
0: I stand on my my record of hiring women to work for me and investing in women. We had almost the exact same...
1: Yeah, lady definitely going to Your responsibility, uh, Molly. Any issues oh, around oh, gender okay. are your responsibility. You're more woke than me. I, You know, I like to call myself Molly Maid. In my spare time, I just clean up <laughs> the after the boys.
2: <laughs>
0: <tell>. <laughs> no, but seriously, next week can you protect us and just program Women's Week? <laughs> Please, can I give you some lady work to do? <laughs>
1: seriously, do work. You can. All right, I'll, it. Do <laughs> I'll do the lady work. I'll do the lady So anyway, what is remarkable about this? Bain Capital, of course, we dunked on them on mm-hmm. International Women's Day for posting the most stock art photo ever of the seven partners that they were privileged to announce uh, in their new fund, Bain Capital Crypto, which not for nothing has $155 billion mm. in assets under management. Did you say billion? billion. Mm-hmm. And they got dunked on hard. There was a, a heartfelt apology and a commitment to hiring more women and people of color. And I think we should give them the benefit of the doubt and say, like, you know what? Message. They took the note. Hey, yes. And they, they took the note. Got it done. A week later, they were like, we've got a partner. Stefan. Uh, is it Cohen? Was it Steph
0: Cohen? Uh, yeah. S- Stephen or Stefan? Stefan Cohen? Cohen. Stephen
1: Cohen. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Congrats i said last week i didn't think you had any bad intent uh sure it was clueless sure it's easy to dunk on sure somebody should have pumped the brakes when they show the image all that it can be true but i don't i I assume good faith we all do and we assume that you i said let's give this uh team six months and here you are six days later so i think you know and and uh congrats to is it lydia lydia yeah lydia who's joining i think i assume yeah I'm guessing what happened here is like uh, the perfect teachable moment, beer summit moment. Like, I just loved how Obama handled this stuff. I mean, I just miss Obama. I miss like competent leadership that mm-hmm. can communicate. Um, but anyway, uh, a beer summit learning moment. Yeah. You got it wrong. You fixed it. And now everybody is going to root for you. And we should. we should. We should give you the benefit of the doubt and root for you. There should be room for people who make mistakes. To fix those
1: mistakes, to fix 100%. your mistakes, yes. like I know that you're there's going to be another round of dunking, and I, I will caution anyone who thinks that this is their opportunity to undermine Lydia and to assume that somehow she might not be as good and that they hustled her up as a you know a an apology or a token or a poster. Yeah. Um, don't do that. Yeah. Assume that she is the badass who got overlooked the first time. And that that has been corrected. And that is great. That is a great thing.
0: I think that's such a, so well said, Molly, because uh, there is now, after these guys drop the ball, the worst reaction would be to be like, oh, look, they hire, to, to um, diminish Lydia. Exactly. Who, in all likelihood, they said, hey, Stefan, dummy, look, there's a 100- hundred incredible women and these are the top four mm-hmm. uh, in our estimation who have the best track records the most knowledge who are the the biggest brains with the greatest networks and the hardest work ethics. Would you like an intro the, his, yeah. his, I would assume his inbox on LinkedIn and his email and his DMS filled with introductions to qualified candidates because he probably said to his network, I'm a dummy. Please help me. Uh, fix this, you know, unforced error, which is what I would have done. I would have been like, listen, mm-hmm. I'm a super dummy. Somebody fig- help me figure this out. So, congratulations uh, yeah. to Lydia. And let's assume that she's going to be the most talented person on the team. And the end.
1: Yep. She also, came from Red point, well. point, which is super legit. And, yeah, and yes, legit. Yeah, and sure. honestly and sincerely, like, way to take the note, guys. You know, they, they could have doubled down. We're in an era of double down. Yes. And they didn't. And I think with that should be noted and Applauded.
0: Yeah. It's th- this culture of like social media destruction is like it's kind of built into the video game where everybody's like, oh, there's the boss. Let's, it's boss level. Let's all, you know, Leroy Jenkins <laughs> jump mm-hmm. into the fray. And, you know, it, it, the dynamic is so weird, especially on Twitter. The way Twitter works with quote retweets and tweet and retweeting and yeah. trending topics, it's just the rage machine. And, Uh, It's nice to see, like, it could also work in another way, which is to laud good behavior and, uh, you know, evolution of individuals who got it wrong. Yep. All right. There you go. There's your breaking news. That's Uh, our breaking news. When you said breaking news, I assumed Ryan Breslow had tweeted something. So I was like, oh, no. I mean, not yet, but the day (laughs) is young. (laughs) We're only (laughs) half hour into the show. It's still early. There could be a Ryan Breslow tweet at any moment. (laughs) Hiring software engineers takes a long time. It can take months in many cases. I see this in all the companies that I invest in. They have some blocker. What's the blocker? We need more engineers. So gun.io is going to change that for you. Yes, they're a software developer hiring platform. And here's what makes them so different. Their candidates are expertly vetted, then matched to your company by a team of senior engineers, not by an algorithm, not by a recruiter, and not by happenstance, which is how a lot of this goes down. Gun.io developers have eight plus years of experience building products, and they're used to working directly with founders and executive teams, Ah, like startups, right? Fast growth ones. They can get your candidates as quickly as 48 hours, and the average time to hire is only two weeks. 90% of the candidates are U.S.-based, and they have a network of vetted international candidates, too. So if you're looking to hire from another market, they have you covered. There are two ways to use Gun.io. One, you can work with a freelancer and enjoy Gun.io's ongoing support services. They'll handle the billing and swap out talent for free at any time. Or you can hire a remote developer directly from the Gun.io network for half of a typical recruiter's fee. So here's your call to action. It's going to be really easy for you. Gun.io is the easiest way for startups to find and hire world-class developers. And you're going to get $250 off your first hire at Gun.io slash twist.
1: Super interesting uh, day, actually, week in the crypto space. Two more big fundraising announcements before we move on. Move what is on going from... on?
0: I thought crypto crashed and all this I money know. is flying I into it. I know, I thought
1: so it. too. But, you know, this is this is the original buy the dip community, right? Yes, <laughs> you that's that true. that it was actual traders, but they're just like, yeah, we're buying the dip. And now Consensus, the VCs are into buying the dip. They are into it. Consensus is MetaMask's parent company which built a suite of Ethereum-based products. They just raised a $450 million Series D. hey So they do have a product, but at a $7 billion valuation, woo, led by Parify mm. Capital with participation from SoftBank and Microsoft. Metamask has over 30 million monthly active users and is the most used Ethereum wallet, which ex- yeah, it's excluding a the web browser Brave. Yeah, um, $7 billion for a That's, wallet. Yeah,
0: I mean... So, the wallet is but one part of the business, obviously. It's got a
1: developer toolkit for building on Ethereum with 430,000 developers using it. Um, Infura, this product that they make, helps developers read and write information to Ethereum, which competes with Alchemy. And we apparently had Alchemy's founder and CEO, Nikhil, on episode Mm. 1238. Yeah, I I mean, this is one of those, like, sort of middlemen situation where I'm not sure how all the money gets made, but evidently a lot of money gets made.
0: I guess developers pay for the set of tools, or they get a piece of the transaction to be one of those two. But it is pretty amazing to think that these companies are raising this amount of money at a $7 billion valuation. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess it's shades of Amazon web development. And I guess if crypto finds use cases, other than store of value, which is a use case, or it doesn't really work for money transfer unless you're in an emerging market that has a broken banking system, you know, where mm-hmm. they don't allow PayPal, they don't allow Venmo or other cross-border trans- transactions. I wonder if Amazon will just add these kind of features to Amazon Web Services. Um, if and I, I think, if I remember correctly, um, IBM had done their own AWS offering for blockchain tools, and I think it. I don't Mm. want to say it failed, but it it stalled. So I think it was too early. Uh, But yeah, I mean, interesting that we now have uh, even more money going into crypto during a down market and still not a lot of use cases. This is taking an awfully long time to build up the infrastructure. When I compare this infrastructure to the infrastructure of the web, you know, if we play this out, like I remember web servers in 94, 95 being $30,000 and then five years later let's say 1998, 99, 2000, you were buying them for $1,500 and racking them yourselves. And then, you know, T one to your office was, you know, 5000 or less, and then AWS. Five years after that, you know, whatever, you know, early 2000s, cloud computing started to emerge. So if we were to put 93 to 2003, it was a 10 year journey from like, everything being extracted and being uh, in a web service in the cloud. And people racking servers and them going from $30,000 each to, you know, let's say $1,000 each. So 90% yeah. cheaper.
1: I'm looking at sort of, I wonder if a comparison to is the internet to the web. Internet like, I'm to trying the to be sure. You know, like, so DARPA had the internet. Okay, sure. Connected computers in 70s, the 80s. 70s, sure. right? And it Barely was fairly connected, yeah. Right, fairly connected, but not like multiple computer. Not the web, you know. Not that the we, web. The web didn't exist, right? The web. They could connect multiple computers, but you couldn't like search them. You couldn't sort of see across all of them. And it was the web that that enabled that. And that was, I think, a thirty-year.
0: Yeah, span. actually, that would that Arpanet might span. be a better corollary if we were to. If just so you know, DARPANET, for people who don't know was the military's version of the internet. Arpanet was. um the advanced research projects agency uh, which was more for colleges and that started in you know the I'm 70s in the
1: timing yeah so, so 70s 80s
0: was, 90s was 30 years of this i guess that's probably right
1: world web 94 invention. 93 94 okay so yeah. 20 25 years cuz i sort of feel like that's almost how early we mm. are okay. with blockchain if you were to as do it. As a concept, right? Like to um, to sort of mature into a usable product. Um, so yeah, okay. So I guess I can sort of understand how your AWS version mm. of crypto makes some money. Um, now we have Gauntlet, another And your starter.
0: observation that it's, you know, we're, if you oh, look right. at it as the web and the commercialization of the web in 93, yeah, we're, we're super far behind. Right. But if you look at it as the 1970s and ARPANET, DARPANET's evolution over those- 25 years or so we're arguably on time or maybe a little bit ahead right yeah right that seems fair i think that seems fair it it seems fair I, i do think this collection of web3 technologies uh might be overblown and might be a little religious like distributed yeah you know blockchains that are immutable and run by anonymous server not anonymous servers but by A collection of, you know, various nodes may not be the most optimal for every use case. So, you know, the private blockchains and centralization might actually make for a better consumer experience. And I think that's this weird religious distributed thing. And we had this, if you remember, in the early stage of the Internet, Wired was always like, information wants to be free, information Mm -hmm. wants to be free. There was something to that. And then there was also something to artists need to get paid writers need to get paid, there needs to be a business model associated with this to make it sustainable. And we have been hand wringing and fighting this battle Mm -hmm. for now three decades on the web.
1: And it is right. It's really true. Like you look at, for example, just the fact that we don't use the web on mobile devices, we use apps Mm -hmm. like that all by itself was a that was an evolution away from open standards like we slowly went away from open standards to facebook to google to you know big gatekeepers to content aggregators and walled gardens yeah and i have yet to see technology develop in any other way
0: i mean we still have the rss standard uh we still have the uh podcasting standard and we even see in podcasting now maybe people are trying to tinker Uh, And whenever Mm -hmm. anybody starts tinkering with those standards, everybody's got to be up in arms. Hey, stop screwing with the open infrastructure of podcasting, (coughs) Spotify, (laughs) you know, other folks like support the standards or GTFO.
1: But podcasting itself might be too open to make real money, right? Like it has struggled to find a truly sustainable business model other than advertising and advertisers are like, oh, we don't, we don't get enough visibility into what happens with the ads. Like it's enough to sustain some of it. But if you really want to be the HBO of it, mm-hmm. like Spotify seems to, you may find yourself wanting to tinker with the standards It would be it would follow the evolutionary path of every other technology is all I'm saying. Uh, but like you
0: do it. also have Patreon and you also have people reading ads, inserting ads and every and people doing podcasting and making the money from whatever their day job is, you know, yeah. so having a podcast and then being an investor, having a podcast and being an actor, having a podcast and being a television writer. You know, so it does seem, or a, a Substack newsletter. So the unbundling, bundling war mm-hmm. and who pays for content keeps happening. Is it patronage? Is it subscriptions? Is it consolidation and a group subscription? Is it advertising? It's all of those things. Mm-hmm. But the open standards should occur independent of that. So people break the open standard in order to get an upper hand and get additional power, which yep. we hate. We hate. Uh, we, I think we hate. I think I speak for everybody. We hate that. I
1: hate that. don't break the open standards. facebook loves that facebook (laughs) this
0: is why i think anybody who's a content creator opts out of facebook
1: you can't even share a freaking post from facebook like if somebody sends me a facebook post and i'm like oh i want to send that to someone you i mean it's just like absurd absurd
0: more open standards equals better and i think that that is the perfect i mean that is the perfect crypto use case that still hasn't been nailed which is the distributed version of facebook that is just delightful without advertising. I mean, why can't the crypto community, with all their unlimited resources, stop raising money and selling tokens and NFTs and flipping and painting the tape? Stop all the nonsense. And will one of you qualified people or 10 of you just make a Facebook killer already? For yep. sake, you got to beat yep. both of those out, but it's so f-ing annoying. I would even
1: take a token.
0: If I would buy 100 tokens for $100 yes. if somebody would just make this. I if would just do this. this. I would yeah. back. I tried to back this so many times I'd literally just make an exact replica an open source exact replica of like, f- classic Facebook friends or functionality that nobody owns, and that you control your group, and it's distributed the
1: end, it that would be so in, beautiful, it exists in um, ministry for the future which is Kim Stanley Robinson's book that all the climate people are reading. You should read this. It's really, really good. It's like this phenomenal book about the sort of UN group that's in charge of like trying to fix the climate crisis and then all the like financial and bureaucratic tools that they enable to do it. And one Mm -hmm. of the things they create is a blockchain based privacy oriented social network Mm -hmm. where then everybody gets a token and they own their own information and they all start doing it's like called U gov or I don't even remember, but it's something has you in the name. But what's so interesting is that then everybody ends up owning what is in effect uh, carbon coin. Like it ends up being a really dis- ah. disruptive um, financial tool. Also, it's very very clever. That's that's a book group recommendation. Minister yes, the and then
0: if everybody's doing this, like buy the Constitution or buy you know classic cars or you know Nintendo cartridges and Michael mm-hmm. Jordan's rookie card. All due respect for this nonsense. Restore like, the internet. Yeah, like th- there's other things that collecting a group of money would do better, like, I love this idea of like, instead of buying the constant, you know, 13th copy of the Constitution, take that 40 million and buy public land, put it into a trust to never be developed again. Like, yep. let's make cool stuff that actually is transformative and doesn't line your own pockets. That's the problem why people hate crypto people is because ev- 99% of crypto activity is flipping, bag holding, painting the tape, you know, grifting. And 1% is like technically interesting and of that 1% that's like technically interesting, 0.1% are projects that are world positive. Like more yeah. world positive stuff to make it less about you flipping stupid, you know, meaningless NFTs of monkeys and punks and Gary V friends. No offense to any of those projects. I mean, I love art well, I like art, I guess. Do something meaningful in the world is my I point. Don't. Totally, yeah.
1: Totally.
0: All this, and can you I'm imagine you. all this energy and money putting to crypto? hmm And then, like, I ask you, like, what's the three things you use crypto for in the last 30 days? Or the last year? If you right. would ask any American, tell me the top three things you did with crypto in the last year.
1: And you will get a few of them who are like, well, I made $80,000 and I cashed it out. And I, like, you know, paid okay. off my student loan. And so, like, holder. I'm glad yeah. that that's happening. Well, no, I mean, some people made legitimate money, right? Because there was this Flipping. like, boom, people who were very clever, okay. flipped it. Exactly. Yeah, trading.
0: Like, to me, right. trading is not like a very interesting world positive thing. But okay, fine. And then It might what's be
1: individually positive, right? And that could add up to some positivity. But that's only as long as the bubble lasts. And for every person who did that, there are going to be like 10 other people who lost all their money. It's like so. some Mary
0: Kay cosmetic multi-level marketing, you know, whatever that... It is. Vitamins. It's, more, it's you know? MLM for dudes it's mlm for for bras like this is mm-hmm. mary kay or what was the uh what, Herbalife. herbal life oh
1: yeah it's like, yeah, Herbalife, it's like yeah.
0: Herbalife and mary kay for tech dudes yeah that's literally like the use case it just as a challenge make something that people use and get value from outside of speculation and i do think nft art and nft uh clubs like th- i i asked them uh, the producers here to uh get us in on this NFT. Uh, I, this this one is this is like an incredible idea. Because it's it's based on that Spanish cooking clubs, right? The private cooking clubs. Sounds this, fun. This is like a two two parter. It's like this crazy cultural phenomenon in Spain, where people have these like so houses where you can cook for your friends for gourmands. And so imagine you went to so house and you could go in the kitchen and just make whatever you want. And uh, you, you cook and clean yourself kind of situation. And Uh you you buy all your stuff at the farmer's market. It's across the street from that. So in Spain, I guess I have these cooking clubs. So if like you were into golf, this would be like if you were into food. So you you and I could go there one week and say, hey, Molly, you want to make a cassoulet the French dish that takes 24 hours? Yeah, let's do a cassoulet thing with our friends. And everybody goes and makes cassoulet and it takes 24 hours. And we come back the next night and we drink some wine the first night. And the next night, we actually in the afternoon invite all of our other friends to come and partake in the cassoulet experience. Oh, I'm doing this. How if it comes out, I would totally join as a member sounds incredible. Alright, Molly, it's time for my favorite part of this week in startups, which is the startup of the day. Mojo the startup part. Yes, the startup part where we get back to our roots and talking about new, incredible projects in the world. Mojo mojo is a startup building a stock market like product to bet on athletes. They've raised million in funding led by Thrive Capital, Uh, tiger global jet.com. Founder Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez, uh, I'm assuming the the baseball player also participated. Uh, Mojo is Alex Rodriguez a rod as the co founder, uh, but he will not be involved in day to day operation. Mark Laurie's quote to Bloomberg uh, on building the platform. I've always thought the idea of a sports stock market was the Holy Grail the vision could transform sports and fandom as a whole for years? I've heard people throw around the idea, but nobody had been able to do it. For the concept to truly work, you need underlying principles like intrinsic value and instant liquidity. Mojo's product is stated, slated to launch in the fall, and will focus on American football as its first sport. The CEO is Vinit Bahara, which Bahara. is interesting because. Bahara is also the last name of Preet Bahara uh, of the amazing cafe. um it's his brother. Podcast, and this is his brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to even put an interesting rub on this, Preet is known as the guy who shut down poker when he was the New York attorney general because gambling was illegal at the time. And his what? brother is creating, I believe this is a, would be best described as a prediction market, also known as a gambling site. Uh-huh. And this is great. Uh, fate loves irony, uh, and here we go. Uh, oh, Preet's amazing. brother. Uh, if if Preet becomes the becomes the attorney general again, does he have to take action against his brother? I don't think so. The laws have changed. Obviously, you know the Supreme Court is now allowing, or yeah. they overturned all that state, and now states can make their own decisions around wagering. But this existed in the Hollywood Stock Exchange (HSX), and that was a way to bet on your favorite artists and the idea would be you could buy stock in an artist there would be a limited number of shares and then people could buy the shares and it could be a way to bet on things so prediction markets are a big deal yeah i guess the hollywood stock exchange may still exist in some fashion uh, or we might be looking at the wayback machine what am i looking at here guys? Well, bj novak just uh, ipo'd exists? today everybody so wow oh, bj novak ipo'd okay that's going to be trading wow, under not its, just uh, an
1: actor a children's book writer wrote yeah. a really funny children's book right. well, um hmm. what's so uh, you know, it's so interesting. I like that BJ Novak, I take it back. He's cool. Yeah, I like, I him. like him. Yeah, that's that, that a funny guy. book, the book with no pictures. Yeah. It's funny. It's like a children's book. It's funny. I, I yeah, just think of ruin whole childhood BJ question of like this whole question of uh, fractional investing, fractional betting, like the what is the prediction markets creating all the fact that Toby, it. one of our uh, founders' of university grads, is in has created something similar, um, is in our Nota Gang, Toby Jang it's do you love it is it like the kind of thing that can only exist when there's like so much money sloshing around no
0: it's um, no? listen people love to gamble there was a website called in trade but this thing when it came out um a decade ago became super popular because you could pr- you could propose any bet and then people would take either side of it and it would kind of like be a great way to um understand the world
1: yeah because
0: when yeah. you have skin in the game these prediction markets allow people to bet on anything, so that could be something as silly as the coin toss at the Super Bowl, which are called prop bets, prop bets, proposition bets, or where one person says, "Hey, I'll bet you heads; you bet tails," or you and I could do a prop bet, uh, you know, Draymond's plus or minus, which was twenty-four and twenty minutes in his return yesterday, which is insane uh, yep. that anybody would have that big of an impact on a game. But here's one. Uh, we could make an a prop bet. Uh, how many episodes will Prof G's CNN plus series last, or you could do something that's actually important, which is you can make a bet on how many days will the war in the Ukraine last now this seems mm-hmm. silly and weird. But when people start making these kind of bets, what it leads to is people being thoughtful about predictions, and thoughtful about handicapping things. This is very important for society. If you can get really smart people to place bets on the probability of things happening, you understand the world better, because they have skin in the game. And almost always, things like in trade, or I think there was one called predicted or these prediction markets, they nail things like elections, because people will then put a lot of effort into trying to understand the world. So mm. is it gambling? Yes, but it's informed gambling. And then because it's a platform, everybody gets to make some sort of decision on what stock do I want to buy? So let's say you went to the summer league in Vegas, uh, which I've always dreamed of doing. I want to go to the summer league one summer, um, but I have kids and I have to dedicate the summers to them, but to watch the Knicks play those games and mm-hmm. you get to see all the rookies and all the prospects play full games. You know, the the, the, the vets aren't going there. They, they take their summers yeah. off. Yeah. If somebody went there and dedicated themselves to watching all the games and then was buying stock in the players early, and then they got an edge and they made money from it, well, all that trade data would become super valuable to GMs Mm -hmm. and to people trying to understand the market and to the players who would be like, wow, people are betting on me because I played better defense or they saw me setting screens or closing out or whatever it is. And so they, they serve a really good purpose in the world. Outside Ooh. of just gambling,
1: that'd be I now I want to have Um Vineet Bahara come on the show and tell us if that's one of the uh, one of the plans for Mojo is to create that kind of analysis and insights out of this. People will have and to have a to theory. sell it to right Yeah, if,
0: if, think about it. If you were buying stock in a rookie, mm-hmm. you know Steph Curry taken seventh in the draft, I believe, like. Somebody probably looked at that and said, you know what, this is the, the kid to bet on and I'm, I'm buying his stock, right? And so who is that person Then you could go back into the trades and say, who is the best person for doing that? And if you're a mm. young person and you could have a track record of picking stocks or which you can do very easily, that's like the classic way for you to get a job is to, you know, put your own $10,000 to work or whatever it is, build a mock portfolio and show you out, you, you have great alpha, you beat the average uh, return. Well, here you could do that and become a GM or work for a GM in sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I love this kind of stuff. Moneyball. Um, I know, you really do. Well, I just rewatched Moneyball, which, by the way, is an incredible film. I mean, Brad Pitt, I mean, he's so attractive that people always talk about his looks. The dude is an incredible actor.
1: I know. That one, so was it Once Upon good. a Time in Hollywood? I mean, I, that yes. was yes. unbelievable. That Moneyball, for
0: me was, was like looking in a mirror when he's up there on the roof, fixing all those his games. antenna. Yeah, totally. Like, wow, That's you.
1: I know you worked new hard, hard for it. You know, I worked, worked hard for it. Half worked hard yeah. for it, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, we. I'm sorry to say, have an add-on to startup of the day, which I think is probably Uh-oh. something we should keep doing. Actually, mm-hmm. the shutdown of the day. Yes. Uh, because this is a part of the game. In fact, I described it to somebody the other day. I was like, I'm so excited! I've got a founder in Founders University and one coming to the accelerator, and maybe one in Dill. It. Like it's all happening. It's so great. And then I was like, I know though. That this is the part where I'm just sending baby turtles toward the sea. Yeah. Hoping they don't get hit by the seagulls or the sharks. And like most of them are getting picked off. So what's happening, uh, of course, is Nature that finds some a way. turtles are being picked off by gulls. And today's shutdown of the day is actually surprising and extremely abrupt. It is and close to my heart because the company going into our accelerator is a competitor Uh-oh. to this product. Zero Grocery. Oh, uh, Yes. Which is a grocery delivery startup that just raised, this is why this is so interesting, Mm -hmm. just raised a $12 million seed round last month.
0: Oh, wait, I found this when we were having our conversation about the company that you wanted to have come to the accelerator. And I predicted exactly this. I think like this is gonna be a a massively hard execution place. So massively
1: hard. Execution. Zero
0: Grocery was a plastic-free online delivery service that operated in San Francisco and Los Angeles, two great markets to uh, you know where people are super conscientious about these things. Yeah, and they made an announcement today. Um, they had raised twelve million and seed round. Uh, has shut down today is Zero's last day. With great regret, effective immediately, Zero will be shutting doors and stopping all further deliveries. How did this happen? Fundraising has always been the biggest battle we have faced. Unfortunately, it's the battle we've lost. Serving you and your families has been an absolute honor. You've welcomed zero into your homes and trusted us to feed you. We put everything we had into something. Hmm. Uh, no other details about why it failed uh, have happened. According to PitchBook, zero also raised a six point four million dollars seed round. The idea here. Let me ex- see if um, uh, I can explain this to you. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. the idea here was there are a group of people who would like to have less packaging, mm-hmm. and Maybe buy things like you used to buy them at your grocery store, like when people would fill a bag for you, and like they had the staples in barrels and stuff like that. Yeah. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, or like the milkman, like it comes in glass, mm-hmm. you know, and reusable, and it's it's zero waste, mm-hmm. hence the zero grocery yes. concept. Um, listen, like everybody's clear-eyed about the logistics hurdles mm-hmm. in delivery and then in sourcing goods that you package into these reusable. Containers, Mm. I still find it, you know, I mean, we're talking about a little over $18 million here to operate in two cities. Mm. That does still seem kind of abrupt. You should have only done one city, number one, obviously, because you
0: want to get the model perfect. Because if the model's not perfect, and let's say it's 50% inefficient, you're now 100% inefficient because you've doubled your inefficiency. Uh, So if you're losing money in the first iteration of a product, which is typically what happens, you don't want to lose a ton of money, because then you run out of runway. So the fact that this, this make they announced the seed round last month, by the way, I don't know if that they raised it. So they may have announced the seed round last month, it could have been raised six months ago. Typically, that's what happens. So the money, they could have been burning a million or $2 million a month running. This operation. Yeah, so what they should have done Good is note. they should have done a pilot. And they should have done just things that are staples. And that can be delivered wonderfully. Uh, in a way, the way Uber did only black cars, which were highly profitable, delightful, and just easy to beat the incumbents. So I would say for this produce and staples like flour and sugar, coffee, mm-hmm. I would love I, I w- it would be so delightful to get a box that came to my house with brown paper bags in it, mm-hmm. or containers like mason jars, like a, mm-hmm. the mason jar is a standard. How beautiful would it be to get mason jars filled with raisins and cashews and flour and sugar of different sizes, and then you put them all in your cabinets, your pantry, and it looks gorgeous. So I don't know if you've watched these YouTubers or tiktokers who obsess over perfect pantries, but I'm down with that I'm
1: down with perfect pantry, I'm
0: so into perfect pantry life like it is that would be the win. And then if you just did it like a subscription, like, hey, just every month, give me a pound of sugar, pound of flour, whatever. And if I have a little extra, fine. Mm -hmm. So I I think with our company, and maybe there are some lessons here of how to run a super cost-effective, expensive, Mm -hmm. or properly priced beta with a hundred people. Yeah. And really have the buy-in and then start going down market. So I would charge a $100 to join. And with that, you get a hundred mason jars, right? So it's like, Kind of built in your onboarding and it's $10 per delivery plus a tip and we're going to come every week with your stuff and you're paying yeah. a little extra but you're going to get so much benefit because we save you unpacking and we save you garbage mm-hmm. what why what, what do you what do you think is the the big idea here with these uh zero packaging or less 90 percent less packaging concepts what's the big win for you
1: i mean well the big win is the is certainly the climate the lack of waste. I think that's really valuable for consumers. I also think that it could translate like, long term into cheaper groceries overall, like 30% of the cost of consumer packaged goods is packaging. It's Mm. super expensive. And so if you have this ability to enable hyper local, you know, what sold me on this is is one everybody who doesn't want a beautiful pantry that doesn't come with a bunch of like crap, because even if you get grocery delivery, now, They'll still go to the store and bring you all of your produce in those little plastic bags, and you can't really stop that from happening. So this is sort of the convenience factor, minus the waste, and hopefully in a way that transforms consumer behavior. So my like thesis, really, my three funnels when I'm looking at these investments, and yes, I've written this up and it's going to go somewhere soon. It's like, I want to talk about systems. Mm. Like, are you somehow fundamentally transforming a system? Are you talking about gigatons? I don't want to hear about millions or right. God well, help like us, that. single digit tons, tons, right? Gigatons. And then finally, behavior. Are you changing a consumer behavior? Because I really believe in the power of the consumer to be like, we don't want high fructose corn syrup anyway, no anymore. Know what happens? It goes away. Like, mm. we don't want all this packaging and nope. plastic and BS. Like you were talking about leaving all the stuff at the Apple store, which I totally did the other day.
0: Mm. Oh, did you do that move? when you have uh-huh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. How shocked I was like, were they? Here, just take this. Yeah, they were totally stumped, like completely stumped. But they just took like, it. Uh, yeah, like it was sort of on a po- and then it was like, like they almost had to like go get someone to bring it away. They were just like, "What do?" They were like frozen. What like, what do we do, do with garbage? It's like you right. created
0: an apple. It's <laughs> your yeah. problem, not mine.
1: Take it away. Take all the pieces, the teeny little well, pieces of
0: plastic. What Molly's referring to is the J Cal move. I, you know, I go to the store. I buy a laptop. I buy you know a phone. I buy a watch. And they bring it out or an iPad, like literally, I did this when I bought my iPad Pro with the magic keyboard, I literally sat there and I unboxed it in the store, I folded it, I took the cable, put it in my pocket. And I walked out with my and I set it up while I was in the store. And I put this big stack of garbage. And they were so offended by the amount of garbage. I said, maybe you should just hand me the goddamn iPad on the shelf. Imagine if you went to the Apple store, and they had just in a thin sleeve like a leather folio or something, your Mm -hmm. iPad, and they had a stack of 100 of them. And they just said, here you go, take it off the shelf. I now, when I get produce, I don't know if you have these like pro fresh produce vegetable containers. But I again, back to like, um, you know, pantry life.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Perfect pantry life. Hashtag pantry life. Hashtag (laughs) pantry life. They have these ones that you can put inside your, you know, drawers in your refrigerator that hold your berries, and they have like a divider. So when the berries come and the fruit comes, I, like a dad, uh, take all of the berries out of the plastic, I wash them, and then I put a little paper towel down inside of these, and I pour them in. Now, my daughters, the little, you know, raptors they are, because they're eating all of my money, I'm going to be broke soon, i got to be on this podcast for another 30 years to pay for just the amount (laughs) of fresh produce. These people, go through blackberries, like they're going through M&Ms, and of course a lot more. So they just my literally my five year olds go in they take the strawberry container out, and they just literally go eat crazy. strawberries till they're gone, or blueberries or blackberries or whatever and so i don't want plastic blueberry container, I just yep. make life easy, and right. like if I order batteries, why are my why is my four pack of batteries come with wrapped in plastic and wrapped in paper if zero grocer bought? uh or the one we're working with if they bought you know a thousand double a batteries at a time and i ordered double a mm-hmm. batteries you could literally just put them into the box naked i'd rather have naked stuff yep i trust you that it's not the battery from your walkman that's used i trust you you're a store i get it toothpaste i don't need it to be i, I tried to open a toothpaste container I, I felt like it was like a fort knox i had to go get yeah. like a a knife because it was wrapped in plastic, then a paper and then inside of it it was wrapped in another layer of plastic, then a little bit of foil over the thing. I understand there's got to be some safety here. But there's also got to be something
1: reasonable. Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely. And we I'm and losing we my can mind now make that happen. Like we totally can. Not paper not bags, you and paper me as investors, but for crying out loud, like paper bags, like it's not everything. It's so easy. Has to be no, we
0: can make it happen. Because here's the thing. All these movements start with a small group of people who are the tip. of the Yes. So right. we have this founder who want these founders who want to do it. We gave them the first 100,000. We're going to introduce them to a ton of people. Mm-hmm. If they run a reasonable beta test and can get it to unit economic profitability for 100 people, mm-hmm. then when you go to investors, you say, listen, this is we're not going crazy here. We're going to find the top 2% of the market. We're going to overservice them for two years. And every year, we think we can get 1% of the market to adopt this. Just like Tesla did with the Roadster. The Roadster, they made 1,500 of. Now they Mm -hmm. deliver 1,500 Model 3s in a day, I'm guessing, right? They're doing like almost a half million of those a year. It's actually literally, probably every day they deliver Model S's and Y's to the number of the total run of the first five years of the company in a day. So little things start with, you know, the 1,000 or the 2,000 true fans. Shout out, Kevin Kelly. So lots of lessons from Zero Grocery.
1: Uh, lots of lessons. And that uh, that's the plus side. And if you are an investor looking at a company like this, maybe one we're invested in. Yes. Please know it can be done differently. That's always sorry, a. change. They yeah. apparently had a very, you know, like a really charismatic, cool founder, a lot mm-hmm. of good investors. Oh, from zero grocery. Let's have, from them, zero let's grocery, have, let's yes, have them on the I yeah.
0: think what'd be really great for these postmortems is, you know, maybe three months or six months after to have the founder on mm-hmm. and say, hey, would you be willing to talk about the lessons you learned? Um, and yeah, we, that'd would, be phenomenal. we would consider that super graceful. And so if there's anybody out there who startup failed a year ago, um, and they're on to their next startup where they became an investor or did something else, like we'd love to have you on. So email producers at thisweekinstartups.com. All right.
4: We actually have a, uh, a nodey named JJ who wrote 10, uh, oh, 10 pod notes for us back in the spring ah. and he's kind of stayed on me. And so I told him to maybe prepare some questions about career advice and we, sure. we got him live.
0: Oh, let's do it. Career advice. This is a free mentoring session from J. Cal to Molly Wood. Okay, Molly, where are you dialing in from?
3: Molly, <laughs> I in. am dialing in from Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's so Minneapolis, nice to meet you, Minneapolis, look at
0: you. You got your blazer on, you got yeah, your Yeah, I shirt.
3: with it on. I thought I had to throw it on as well.
0: I love it. I love it. Here we go. We're like, now you're like my detective partner in Brooklyn. We're going to go get a uh, coffee with a little Kahlua, some Baileys in it, and then uh, we'll go investigate this double homicide in Red Hook. Uh, so tell us your name one more time. Yeah, J.J. Foster. J.J. Um, Foster. What a great name. You're going places Irish. with that name. Yeah. J.J. Foster on line one. I like it already. Uh, and are you in college, uh, high school? You look young. Yeah, so
3: kind of an interesting story there. Um, the, the pod notes I did last spring were mm-hmm. on the Power of Accelerator series. Ah, and funny good. enough, I actually, two months ago, dropped out of school to join on Dex Accelerator, um, I'm an associate there now.
0: So you're working there, yes, full time. Yeah, you got a full time job based in part. You taking the accelerator series of angel? I don't know what season that was. It was season three, four, or five. I was back in like 2020 or something. Okay, so it was probably a season three or four. You take the 10 episodes. You wrote the notes up. We put them into Notion. And writing the notes took you how long per episode? Listening to the episode takes an hour and then writing the notes takes about another hour. Yeah, it was about two per that's it.
3: Yeah, yeah, roughly. Two hours. I mean, I would put it on two X speed and you know, perfect. Um write up the notes while I was listening. But yeah. So then you apply for a job
0: at on deck.
3: Yeah, kind of. So um a little backstory there as well. Um at the University of Minnesota where I where I went to school, we have a student run VC firm. Uh-huh. Um so I was investing out of that and the and the person who created that Lucas Bagno is hmm. at Village Global. So I I stayed in Very contact cool. with him. He he notified me of Hey Ondex um you know raising Fantastic. raising a fund for ODX and um got in touch and yeah, here we are.
0: That's extraordinary. So uh, what, what do you when you look at those notes and the takeaway? Do you take notes when you're normally doing a pod listening to a podcast? Or did you just do it for these because you really had a passion for it? And uh, wh- what role did that play maybe in uh, your interview process? Because I would think if you're doing an interview, and you knew all of the knowledge in those, you know, usually it runs about an hour. So let's just say it's 10, 12 hours worth of content, there must have been a decent amount of knowledge that you accumulated. So you go into that interview armed with all that knowledge? Is that what happened?
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So um, I would say the common thread throughout these uh, Power of Accelerator, the series, was kind of the similarity to universities, which is uh, kind of funny that I, I dropped out of one to join an accelerator. But it's kind of like a, uni- a university for companies. Um, I certainly use that knowledge. But also, Jake, Cal, I've been listening to your, your podcasts for mm-hmm. you know, like the, the Angel series, the twist all of that forever how old so. are you jj um 21
0: 21 and you've been listening to the pod for how long uh
3: honestly it's kind of crazy how, how far i've come in about a year year and a half um
0: yeah so you've been listening to it for the last year and a half you get a job at on deck you got all this knowledge from listening to the pod would you say like uh if you look back on your life your greatest mentors if you were to rank them Who are your greatest mentors after your parents? I'm assuming maybe some teacher in high school, college, somebody who are your top mentors in your life?
3: Yeah. um, So there's throwing it out there. Interesting, interesting point here. You can have mentors who you don't like know personally, Mm -hmm. right? Right. I would definitely put you up there, J. Kyle. Okay. Um, There we go. See, this is
0: the power of podcasting. And this is what happens when you're a bit of a hustler. If you want to get into an industry, all you have to do is uh, jump in. Yeah, and I think people are always waiting. And what you need to do is be creating. You listen to 10 episodes of a podcast, you wrote notes, we put it on our website as fan notes, because I thought this would be an interesting idea. If fans want to do this. I think we've had about 50 fans write these notes. And here you are. Now you've got a career in the industry. Um, now, of course, you went to school for it. And you got some stuff there. Yeah, now that you're doing so well, at the, at the young age of 21. Do you have questions for me about your future career and how to optimize yeah. that?
3: Yeah, of course. Um, like, w- what what do I do now? Right. Um, I, I finally break broke in to mm-hmm. to VC. That's such a common term these days. Yeah. But like now, how do I go from zero to one to one yeah. to ten? Right. Like in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any tips there? I guess. Yeah. Uh, let me a grinder. Keep- like I just like so the pods uh, the pod notes. I actually use that. And did the same thing for Harry Stebbings' Twenty VC podcast. Oh, great! Um, just sent it to him randomly, and over a, an- another you know six months of, of badgering him, got got him on the on a phone call as well. He's been an awesome person to just talk through, and so vulnerable. I think that like, that's so a power you and him have. You're real, and, and well, I really I'm not
0: that like vulnerable, that. but I am real. He's, he's You're real. Best well, yeah, kid. he's I a mess. that Kid, no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, he wears it on his sleeve, and I think it's it's, it's quite charming, actually. Um, what I would say is, uh, think about at it. Uh, so one thing I want to point out to people who are listening to this, if you're creating stuff, you have learned something uh, inherently in your networking ability, which is if you show interest in other people, people will be interested in you. So mm. because you wrote notes about people's podcasts, uh, they have no choice. But when you say, hey, I wrote these notes up about your pod, thought you might be interested in them if you want to use them for anything. You've tapped into two phenomenon of human psychology. One is you showed interest in other people, so that they'll show interest in you. And then reciprocity. You did something for me writing these notes. Um, I'm, of course, flattered and thankful. I'm flattered that you listened to the show, and I'm thankful that you took the time to do this because we put them on the website and share them with other people. They get value from it. Those two things will take you far in life. If you show interest in what other people are doing and uh, you help other people without any expectation of reward, you create a massive amount of reciprocity. So, how does that work in what we do in investing? Well, if you, this is where the term, how can I be helpful? you know, has become such a cliche, if you give a founder a great piece of information, or insight, or you let them know, hey, there's a pothole around this turn, be careful when you take this turn, or, hey, maybe you should talk to this person, they've worked in that vertical before. Uh, Or did you know about this company that went out of business that tried to do something similar to what you're doing, all of that could be accretive to their success. So being of service to other people and helping other people is the path to success in what we do in venture land and investing. And then what is investing at its core is what you have to ask yourself. So I'll ask you this question at its core. What do we do when we invest in companies?
3: You're taking a bet on a person. I mean, at the early right. stage here, um, Correct. You're making a bet, bet anywhere. Is good. Yeah.
0: So you're making a bet. Okay. And if you're making a bet, you, you got the right answer. You're selecting a winner. Or you're selecting what you Mm. think is a winner, and you're trying to increase their chances of winning by giving them capital and then being in alignment with them. So what we do is we anoint people and we pick winners. So then you have to ask yourself at the company you're at, are you doing that behavior? Or Mm. are you supporting somebody who's doing that behavior? Both of them are valid. And are you making sure that you get credit for that work? So Mm. how do you get credit for the work? Well, the way you get credit for the work is if you're doing meetings, like my associates do 15 meetings a week, if they and we record them, we, we ask for permission, hey, can we record the zoom? Um, now, imagine you find the next Robin Hood Uber com, and you were the first person at your firm to interview them. Now you have that interview, and you have your notes from it. And nobody can take it away from you ever. Now, if the company invests in it, uh, when I had Doug Leone on, he talked about the different people at Sequoia who actually found the great companies they invested in, and who were the first point of contact. Now, did they get sole credit for that? No, the brand of launch or this week in startups or the syndicate may have brought them in. But you made sure you shepherded them from when they applied for on deck or somebody applied for our accelerator to the point at which we wound up getting on the cap table. And that is super valid. You don't get 100% credit for it, but you should get some credit for it. Now, if you found them at a demo day that you went to on a weekend. Great. And so it really is how many startups can you write coverage of how many can you meet how many zooms can you record keep them in your hard drive and be able to tell your bosses. Hey, listen, I met with in the first quarter, 150 companies Uh, in 16 weeks, I did 10 a week. And uh, this quarter, I'm trying to get to 12, uh, you know, whatever, I'm going to I'm going to up it to 15 a week. And I'll do 180. And um, by the way, of the 180, these are the 10 that I was most enthusiastic of these five actually got series A's and uh, we missed those. Mm -hmm. So you're basically betting on yourself and doing your own money ball and money ball yourself. Uh, and I never did that for myself. Other people were doing it with my track record, like other LPs and other people were watching me do it, but I do it now. I like to see with my team who finds the good nuggets. And so just essentialism, if you want to be an investor, it's about finding great companies and placing bets. So don't forget that. And then you got to get credit for it. And you're a person who likes to write and you're a good writer. Being able to write and communicate well is more important than anything in life. Hmm. Like literally your ability to communicate, your ability to write, to speak converse to network trumps everything. Just to be clear, it trumps everything, you could be a complete, utter moron. But if you had the ability, and and I'm not describing myself here, but let's face it, I'm not writing the code or building the hardware or or, or building rocket ships over here. I'm talking my way into deals, I'm communicating to people uh, and networking with people to get my name uh, and get a slice of that cap table. And that's really what it's about and you're a great communicator so jj you're going to do fantastic and the job is going okay on on deck is it like a internship or it's a full-time gig
3: yeah yeah full-time so i'm associate wow. for the odx team um on, on that point that you were speaking to there i remember in a back in a i'm a huge acquired fan and you you went on their pod yeah. back in 2020 and talked Another about a pod yeah. yeah yeah um always picking up the tab I was, I was wondering yeah. if you could maybe speak to that and like, I'm True. right. I'm living in Minneapolis. Most of my interactions with people are online at, at this yeah. point. Um, how does leave. that relate?
0: Leave? You gotta leave Minneapolis mm. as quick as possible. Like you just have to run, uh, to Austin, LA, Miami, New York, uh, anywhere, but like a third or fourth tier city where there's no tech people. So yeah. get the hell out of Dodge, get the smallest apartment you can at the lowest cost basis. And uh, go to a town where there's going to be a ton of collisions, ton of collisions will happen for you most in the valley. And then after that, you could pick LA, New York, Miami, or Austin equally. Uh, But I would give you a counter indicator. People are not coming here. But the most powerful people are still here. Hmm. So there would be an argument for you to literally get a studio apartment in Redwood City or somewhere in Palo Alto and just go hang out in Palo Alto every day and have lunch there and just listen to conversations and meet people. And then in terms of picking up the tab, you just got to find a place where you can order a bunch of appetizers, family style, and uh, order drinks like in the pitcher. So that's like sangria, pitchers of beer, pizza. Uh, Mexican food was always one of my staples, because uh, I love Mexican food. And you do those and you just order for the table. Sushi, when you get a little bit more cheddar, you can do that too. But mm. you you invite two founders who you met, and two other associates, and now you got five people at dinner. If it winds up being 40 bucks a person, is 200 bucks gonna kill you? Probably not. Pick up the tab. You give your credit card as you go in, the, the comes and now you're baller. Like who's JJ? JJ picked up the tab? Everybody's on the way to the car. So Joe, what about, who oh, did the bill ever come? No, JJ got it. It's a, that's what you, mm-hmm. now, what, you want to be. Now way people go to like, oh my God, Jake, Cal picked up the tab. You know, like it's, it's a, it's a BFD. You make you baller, but you gotta get the hell out of. <laughs> Where are you, Minnesota you said? Yeah, 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 Minnesota. yeah. No, no diss to Minnesota, but there's nothing going on there. You got to get the right. hell out of there quickly. I meet Wally Wood, by the way. This is JJ. You still
1: think so? Hi, JJ. Hi, Molly. I really love the suit jacket. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I had to throw it on. I had to throw it on. <laughs> um, look, Dick House already raising everybody's game. Here we go. Really, you still think even in the remote universe that we live in now? I mean, we had a first it didn't time fund manager the last two on. years. It Jay Malik. He raised ten million dollars on Twitter. JJ wants every advantage po- possible. Well, yeah, okay uh, then. There you so uh, the way I look at it if is. If it's full court hustle, you yeah. do have to go to the town. He wants That's to go true. full
0: court. He wants to do a full court yeah. press. He wants to skip some steps. If you want to skip some steps, I mean, if you're hanging out in Palo Alto and Sand Hill Road at Stanford, you you going to make a lot of collisions, man. I was I was hanging out at the Stanford Mall this weekend. I did like five selfies, uh, you know, I'm walking through the campus and went to like one of their gardens there. They have this beautiful cactus garden I went to and uh you know i appreciate the botanical arts as everybody knows and uh yeah i'm just getting stopped constantly talking to people every conversation is about technology and it's probably similar in austin and miami so but i do think over the last two years it didn't matter because nobody could go out but i think it's going to be the opposite now i think it's going to matter more Mm. yeah because Mm. people are going to be still doing the most people will keep doing the remote thing and then a few people are going to network what if you ran into me one day and i offered you a job you know like this a distinct possibility, and now you've proven yourself oh I know j Cal I know 20 minute vC I know the acquired guys I know Molly Wood. I worked at on deck yeah, I'm considering my options i mean you're mm. twenty one and you're considering your options jesus yeah but you you know what you you learned the really great lesson in life uh, early on reciprocation uh effect uh showing interest in other people which was uh codified in uh, how to make friends and influence people The seminal networking book if you're interested in other people they will be interested in you and then number three you uh, are creating not waiting and rachel uh, who works for me and justin both had their own pods Hmm. before they worked for me and i told rachel you've done like six or seven episodes this is like a solid seven you're like a 6.5 podcaster come work for me i'll teach you how to be eight and a half and now she does every friday something that a large group of people are uh, absolutely you know anticipate listening to which is rachel reporting's okay boomer segment you may have heard of it on Friday yeah, yeah. she's kind of building her own little brand here and uh she's an 8.5 i've given her now 7.5 8.5 now she's moving up taking a little mentorship from molly and it's going well all right great job uh jj can't wait to meet you get the hell out of minnesota absolutely uh, good luck <laughs> i to will
4: you. I'll, I'll hit you up Cal, if i if i you stop by yeah okay yeah. Thanks for coming. I appreciate you uh, badgering me through that whole thing. Uh, it was good. He was persistent. Yeah.
0: And if anybody does 10, I'll have coffee with them or talk to them during the live stream. So I'm yep. gonna put the offer out there. Anybody writes 10 solid uh, pod notes, you just pick 10 episodes, you go to the, how do they do it, Justin, go to the notion page and yeah, just email producers at
4: this week in startups first and we'll get you all set up. I got a nice uh, instruction. Email Got I can it. reply to you with. So there you go. Yeah, if you want right.
0: to uh, have a, a a quick ten minute segment on the program, or you know, meet for coffee or whatever, uh, and you want to get close to the you know and get more involved, write ten show notes. So
3: that's gotta simple. get in the room, right, Jason?
0: Gotta get in the room, the room where it happens, right? And it's a virtual room now. So listen, yeah, you're just you just made your first appearance on this week in story. Appreciate it. Great job, JJ. Take care, JJ. Take care.
4: Hey, everyone. Producer Nick here. I want to tell you about the SaaS Syndicate. If you're a founder of a SaaS company with a product and market, our investment team wants to talk to you. Head over to thesyndicate.com slash SaaS, S-A-A-S, to apply to raise from the SaaS Syndicate. And you can join Jason's Syndicate of over 9,000 accredited investors at thesyndicate.com. Producer Justin here. No cool startup?
2: Today.com. Our next event is on April 27th.
4: And if you want to learn how to invest in startups from the world's greatest angel investor, and no, we're not talking about Chris Sacca, then head to angel.university to apply. The 4-hour workshop costs $300 and all proceeds are donated to charity. To date, we've donated over $175,000 to various charities, and you can see the full list at angel.university/charity.